Hi, it's the end of the year. It's out to go to the <laughs> Shelby's. Let's all go to the Shelby's. It's been a week for you. It's been five minutes for us. Hey, and how's it going? it's a moment of self-congratulation for you all, dear listener, as we do not talk about a film that you will not discuss in Film Studies Course, and though that we talk about all the films you will not discuss uh, this episode as we talk about the year in review of all things that were good trash in 2019 very very fun show if you've never heard this before what it is 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 it's, it's about us it's the most meta of the shows and look so- all podcasts are self-aggrandizing so why not have an episode every year where we really just uh bet double ponies on it yeah, yeah. And so um, if you're looking at your iTunes feed or you're looking at the website feed we're just talking about everything we've done since January of last year um all those movies that we've discussed you mean all- this year Whatever. Yeah, this, this will year. drop in 2019. It's still this year, I guess, yeah. So we're just going to talk about those movies, and we've got a set of awards that we've invented. Um, who wants to survey the awards? Yeah, so we have, uh, I mean, we started this in 2013, I think, is when we really did the first version of this. Yeah, our first full year kind of the show. Kind of an addendum on an episode, but we really started with uh, the, uh, goodness, uh, the Hebrew Hammer. Uh, which was born out of our dislike for the Hebrew Hammer, the terrible Comedy Central movie. film. Uh, that was a terrible watch for all three of us. Um, felt really bad for making everybody watch that when but, it happened. Uh, yeah, so uh, that that's the uh, title of the award that goes to the movie that we absolutely hated, despised for whatever reason. It could be crap, could be ideological, or just any reason we think the movie is just not good. Um, we also have our... Uh, best worst movie which could be kind of like a guilty pleasure you know you recognize that it's not particularly good but it's a lot of fun to watch uh kind of a quote-unquote guilty pleasure uh we have our favorite marathon which is in the title um we do our hall of violence where we recognize either a film or a sequence from a film that's just incredibly violent um this comes from our recent watch of uh demolition Demolition man Man, where there is a literal hall of violence yeah we like to add an award every couple of years keep things spicy uh, and then we do the best show where we look back and talk about what show we thought was really just a really strong episode um, and kind of a good entry point for new listeners. Uh, we do once more with feeling, uh, which is from a Buffy episode, but it's uh, going back to look at a movie that we've rewatched for for this show. And uh, we, we either liked it more or we hated it for some reason uh, after rewatching it. Um, and then we do our favorite discovery. Uh, we do our compliance one timer, which is a movie that we will have only probably watched once in our life and we'll probably never revisit for whatever reason. Um, that's, that's most of them. Uh, we also do, uh, I think that's most of them. Uh, also the platinum shelf, which is what this is named for. Uh, we're kind of inspired by the, the brick, uh, the golden brick that, uh, film spotting does, yep. um, where they add kind of, they do a vote on some underrated movies that they saw and to, kind of see you know what they think will stand the test of time and which was named for ryan johnson's brick yep uh and so we thought we'd do something similar where we look back at the movies we watched that weren't in our anti-trash marathon and pick one that we think uh deserves to be remembered deserves to go on the shelf of all the movies we've seen uh and has earned a place in 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 kind of the echelon of of movies you need to see and so that's that's what we do uh, that's where we're at, and so that's the Shelbys. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, overview of our, our categories. We might uh, part. We'll probably uh, maybe parse the 
our, our rationales behind our picks as we get into those categories. But yeah, it's, uh, that's the gist of it, y'all. That's that, what we're here to do. That is the game. I'm going to go with the order that's in the Google Doc uh, as we announce them. Arthur was playing around with the order, so um, which is fine. Uh, but I'm going to do it this way because it's written down and I don't forget. Because you know the memory is the first thing to go, they say. So uh, I'm going to open up with our favorite discovery. And as Arthur has already articulated, the favorite discovery is a movie you never watched. And you were so glad you found it. And so I'm going to go first to Dalton. Hi. Uh, what is your favorite discovery of our 2019 viewings? My favorite discovery of our 2019 viewings comes from our I Dream of Gina marathon, and it is the film Thelma and Louise, nice. uh, a film nice. that I yeah spent years meaning to catch up with and just never gotten around to. And we, we watched it for that uh, Gina Davis marathon uh, that we did this year. And I just adore this movie. Yeah. I It's so ahead of its time uh, for a film from the 90s. I think it's got a lot of... Uh, timeliness in 2019. We've spent a lot of uh, the last couple of years kind of having some conversations that we probably should have been having since the start of, uh, well, human society, probably, but uh, definitely at least since the start of Hollywood. Uh, and I, I think Thelma and Louise just is continued throughout its runtime to surprise me with where it went, despite, you know, I, I know how the movie ends. I, I'm, I've seen a television show before. Yes. Everybody knows how Thelma and Louise ends. But I, there's just so many surprises in that film that I didn't expect. And there's a lot of nuance to every single character in that film. And, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm really delighted by that movie uh, in its, you know, it, its thoughtful examination of uh, just violence in general, but specifically uh, the role that violence has in the lives of women uh, the, the who's allowed to do violence, you know, all, all of these sorts of questions. I've just uh, really, really enjoyed uh, that aspect of the film, but also it's just a fun road movie. Uh, when you know, I love a good road movie. Um, but you know, it, it really is a, a you know a, a kind of a monumental film. It, it is a sort of movie we talk about on this show a lot about you know the, these sorts of mid-budget uh, movies for adults don't really get made anymore. And, uh, you know, Thelma and Louise is a great example of uh, why we should keep trying to make original stories, even if they have a lot uh, of debt to older stories. Uh, it's important to keep trying to tell tell new stories. And, uh, yeah, I, I really like Thelma and Louise. It uh, kind of blew me away when we watched it. I expected I would enjoy it, but it, it really did uh, blow my hair back in a way I wasn't prepared for. And part of that was just I it was really fun in the context of Gina Davis's career to see that performance from her. Uh, and again, everybody in that film is great, but because it was a Gina Davis specific marathon that we watched, excuse me, that we watched the film for, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I was really taken with it. So, uh, I can't remember how we, uh, decided that was going to be on the Gina Davis marathon docket, but I'm very glad we did. It's a great movie. I'm glad you liked it so much. What was your favorite discovery, Arthur? Uh, Thumb and Lee's was pretty close consideration for me, but I, I went with Jandabont Speed. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I'd finally got around to the, for the first time and was a, had always been hesitant to see because on paper it seems like a very silly premise, and uh, it is executed extremely well. Uh, it's a great action movie. It, it kind of is that diehard thing where there's constantly something happening, uh, which is surprising since it all mostly takes place on a bus, but... Uh, the work of Keanu in that film, uh, coupled with Sandra Bullock and Jeff Daniels and Dennis Hopper, uh, really makes it move, and it really makes it just stick out. And 
It's an excellent action movie, and I'm glad we got around to doing that one when we did the uh, A Man Called Keanu Marathon, uh, which we were tempted to do for a long time. We were finally able to pull off, and you had to talk about speed. We'd already done a lot of his heavy hitters, but speed is one that we hadn't got around to. Um, and I, I had so much fun watching it. It is just a unabashedly good time uh, watching that movie. Uh, if you just need to relax or if you're in the mood for just a great action movie, it, it's quick to turn on and it just goes by and so uh i was glad to finally get around to speed shockingly thematically rich too yeah yeah i was really surprised like how much good conversation we had yeah, yeah. dustin what about you what was uh you've seen a lot of movies what was one you had before? this was very this is a very on-brand pick for me um uh-huh. my, my my favorite discovery was agnes varda's faces places Such I, had, a good movie. I had got around to seeing it yeah. and it's this again experimental avant-garde documentary in which uh, she and jr and artists make these huge murals of people's faces and they go to the places in which they live and it's weirdly like populist at the same time being avant-garde it's weirdly workers rights and sort of it's got a whole lot of really really interesting things going on with it. a discussion about the photographic image and and just the way in which those images sort of hold stories and thematically just uh really really interesting and of course we watched this within a week of varda's death yeah and so like the experience itself was weirdly elegiac for me and uh yeah i I just really really liked faces places and i was i was so thrilled that we watched it and it was definitely my favorite discovery um of the films that we looked at uh, of 2019 so yeah faces places agnes varda um man i loved it it's a film that might come up uh, again later in our awards it could indeed perhaps uh so we're gonna move right on down the line though folks um so one once more with feelings. So we just did the new thing you watched that you had a emotional experience with. Now we're going to talk about maybe a positive, maybe a negative experience with a movie that you'd seen before and you're so glad we did. What do you say, um, Dalton? Well, I got two picks. I got one of each. <gasps> I cheated Checks a little out. bit. Yeah, I know. It does check out. Well, I'll, I'll be brief, uh, which I know is not does not check my out. strong suit. Uh, so first up, uh, when we did our uh, Shocktober 8, The Ocho, uh, Dustin was kind enough. Uh, we did our dead spots. It was the subtitle of that marathon. Uh, look, the Ocho dead spots is better. Um, who, who am I kidding? Uh, but we all, you know, picked a horror film we hadn't seen and, and Dustin selected Dawn of the Dead. He had never gotten around to the original and, uh, I had, I was the only one of the three of us that had seen it before. And I liked that movie well enough the first time I watched it, which was, you know, years ago now, but, uh, revisiting it for the show, I just, man, it really spoke to me in a way it didn't the first time. I, uh, I've always appreciated it more than I liked it as as a picture, uh, but there's something about it. Uh, I don't know if it's me or the movie, but uh, I had a wonderful time watching that film. Uh, I had a great time talking about it with you guys, but really just the experience of watching it was, was truly special. And again, uh, for whatever reason, that movie is just available on YouTube in 4K. I uh, don't know why, but it is. And it We're looked, so it, grateful. Boy, does it look fantastic. Uh, all, all, that that print that they got on the on the interwebs is is beautiful looking, and I, I just had an absolute wonderful wonderful time rewatching it. Uh, the film that I did not have such a great time rewatching is Hostiles. I am so sorry. Uh, that was I believe one of uh, my selections for our uh, anti trash westerns or our, our, our regular trash westerns. Uh, you know, we did our two part western Apt description of that movie. Yes, it is. Uh, so we did a two western two parter at the start of this year. We did anti trash westerns, and then just westerns that were in our good trash wheelhouse and uh yeah i i saw hostiles in the cinemas i i enjoyed it at the time i thought it was well enough uh you know and mostly i just really enjoyed west duty and rosamund pike and christian bale like i thought those were three great performances but it is a 
kind of a gross film, honestly. Mm-hmm. There's some interesting stuff there and some pretty good ideas, but uh, for each good idea, there's about three or four bad ones. And it's it's just a frustrating movie, and I'm glad we revisited it because I would have spent the rest of my life thinking I like that movie okay, and now eh, I kind of hate it. You know, I, I like some things about it, but Arthur's uh, vitriol for Hostiles was contagious because... Uh, yeah, I don't really care for that movie so much anymore, and um, I'm thankful uh, for uh, watching it uh, for the show and with you guys to, yeah, maybe think a little bit harder about it. So that that's my once more with feeling. I'm real, real glad to have a newfound love for Dawn of the Dead, and uh, real glad I don't like Hostiles as much as I used to. I'm glad you don't like it either. Arthur, what do you think? What is your once more with feeling? This is a tough one for me, um, but I went with uh, Stardust. Ooh, uh, yes. which I had seen once before and remember not being terribly impressed by. And I remember actually, I think, falling asleep uh, several times through it uh, and not connecting with it. But this time around, I I just really had a great time with it. I, I think it's a very interesting take on the kind of fantasy fairy tale film. I, I like the direction it takes it. It's got a great cast. Um, Bobby De Niro is just having a ball. Bobby D, having the um, best time of his life. Yeah, it's a great performance from him in a, in a period where he wasn't really turning out a lot of great performances. Uh, and so it's a fun turn for him. Uh, but Charlie Cox and I, I for goodness, uh, Claire Danes. Claire Danes uh, are really great. fun. Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer's having a blast as the big bad. Um, and it's just a fun kind of subversive take on a lot of that you know we got the script or the story from neil gaiman and matthew vaughn's uh directing it and it's it's just a good time and i really appreciated a lot of what it brought to the table i, I think now maybe it was a little ahead of its time when it was released but you know, looking back on it, it's one i think is worth reevaluating and revisiting and talking about and kind of popular and large and so stardust would be my pick for uh once more with feelings so and, what about you henry cavill uh oh yeah. oh yeah oh yeah it's prime douchebag mode. Oh yeah, it's, it's is, a good bit. Yeah, great, great times. Um, my once more with feeling is back uh, in our uh, Gina Davis marathon as well, and it is returning to uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Yeah, uh, and the reason why is I remember this movie being particularly gross. Is what I remember, and of course Cronenberg and his body horror was absolutely as unsettling and upsetting as it always has been. But um, I think it's the first time I've watched it really as an adult. Oh wow, and. I was so moved by Brundle's pure just empathy. Yeah. Uh, as he just devolves over the course of the film. And it is terribly, terribly sad. And I found the movie to have a much deeper emotional core than just simply the sick out, gross out kind of horror movie that I remembered watching as a young person. And so for me, that return to the fly was really, really just moving and troubling in all the right ways. And uh, I like that movie a lot more. I mean, I always did like it a lot, but I like it a lot more now than I ever did um, having come back to it. So for me, it's David Cronenberg's The Fly from our Dream of Gina uh, marathon. So that was a lot of fun. It was a guy with a pretty severe psoriasis uh all the skin sloughing in that film uh speaks to me in a really profound way <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> Whew, boy body horror is cathartic if you if you, you got skin issues yeah for sure i yeah i, I could buy that yeah i could definitely buy that so we move on to our next category which is another positive category our best show the show that we did the best job we could have done um i think we might all say the same thing i'm curious yeah I think it's a good chance of it. So go ahead, Dalton. What are you going to say? It's the one we weren't on. Yep, same. Yeah, <laughs> totally the same. Yours too, Arthur. Yeah, yeah. 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 We uh, we had our our, our friends uh, Aaron DeMoss, Kirsten Thurkelson, and Alex Bohannon on uh, to talk about Marvel's Captain Marvel uh, on the show. We decided, hey, don't we? These three dumb idiots that are us have talked about Marvel movies on the show a lot. 
So uh, Marvel's gonna, you know, make this this girl power movie. Like, let's actually let some women talk about this film and, and interrogate it and see how valuable and worthwhile it is. And it's just a great episode, man. I, I you know, I just enjoy. We we just kind of hung out and let them run the show. It was I, a lot of fun. We got to be there while they recorded, though. And, and well, we did like an Elseworlds it. kind of setup with it, which yeah. I thought was really great. It's one of the, I mean, we, we've always played the show straight, and so it was really the first time we've done anything kind of conceptual with it. And I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, to do that. That we were all dusted somehow, yeah. and that yeah, they they just came in like we they were us, and yeah. they kind of played us. Earth sixty three or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a fun bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with Arthur. Like just doing a conceptual episode was a lot of fun but i just letting somebody look do, do your own do a podcast anybody listening to this we're just a couple of knuckleheads who like movies uh and i think that's why i like the episode so much is it's uh it's not about us man it's just talking about movies uh if uh scheduling was easier we'd have a fourth uh, guest host on every single episode i i that in in a perfect world i would love to do that it's just too hard to schedule right uh, oh boy it's it's a it's a nightmare lives are difficult yeah uh but yeah it it was just a really fun experience uh, outside of that i do want to give some love to our blade runner episode uh that we did early in the year uh to uh pay tribute to, to arthur's mom uh who was uh a great lady, uh, by all accounts. But I, I just had such a good time talking about Blade Runner with the yeah. two of you. Uh, and really, you know, there, there's a lot to be had from that film. And uh, gave us uh, gave me an excuse to talk about Blade Runner 2049 a little bit. But uh, a I, lot, a lot of bit, yeah. But I had a great time talking about Blade Runner with you guys. So that that's probably my runner up. If I had to pick an episode we were all on, I think that was a good. I, one. I think for me, to, to Dalton's point, I, I think the other one I went back and forth was was uh, Titanic episode 300, which. I think we had a great conversation of, uh, really reappreciated that movie. Uh, but also it was really fun getting nearly everybody who's had a hand in this show, uh, together to talk. That uh, was, a hoot. was great. Uh, and you know, to your point about scheduling was impressive. Uh, I think to be able to pull seven of us, I think together yeah. uh, to do that, including uh, a little written piece from Nick Sanford, Nick, who yeah. wasn't able to be on the show, but he made his presence known. So he, almost he does. You know, yes. Over the course of the last seven years, we've had a lot of people involved in, in, in this monster of a time suck, and uh, it was a lot of fun to get them all here. So, Very good, very good. Moving on to another category in which I expect unanimity. Um, I might be wrong. This is our compliance one-timer. I, I assume we're all going to say, then again, the compliance one-timer is a movie that's good, but you never want to put it in your eyes again. Yeah, named named in honor of Craig Zobel's. Uh, wait, is that his name? I don't know. The film Compliance, which we watched many years ago for the show, which was awful and good, and an incredible film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, since I've been going first, yeah, it, it's Nightingale for it's me. It's Nightingale. Yeah, I actually want to say Chinatown. Whoa. Okay. Uh, for a much different reason. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, yeah. well, we'll we'll talk about our Nightingale reasons. <clears throat> um, rape, colonialism, murder, sadness, um, harrowing, baby, baby killing. Um. Yeah, that, it's a rough movie. It's y'all. hard to watch. Uh, a movie that we all were like, I don't know if I can in good conscience make other people watch this. Yeah, but uh, really powerful film. A film that I can't stop thinking about. I mean, we recorded that a couple of weeks ago now, and watched it. I can't. It was Super actually good. just a week ago that I watched it. I think. Uh, it, I can't stop thinking about it. It's it's a powerful movie that I don't know that I'm gonna have the just the emotional fortitude to watch anytime soon not the feel-good Thanksgiving movie I was looking for that's for sure but uh still very 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 yeah, good but uh, that's what I got Arthur yeah Chinatown huh yeah I, I mean it's very good it's incredible I yeah. mean I think it's a masterpiece of a movie um but Blansky but, but Blansky and, and that's the hard thing you know we do talk a lot about you know reconciling art and artists and you know we acknowledge that 
movies of a certain period had issues and it's important to talk about those, I think, but compl- uh, compliance, uh, Chinatown is the one where it's very, very, very hard to separate art from artist with the way it ends and the way Polanski took control of that ending to alter it from the script and, and do what he did with it, mm-hmm. which makes it too real and too on the nose, knowing Polanski's crimes and, and, and sins and, and, the kind of human he is and it's it's hard to after that want to you know in any way give him money or shape his legacy and and it's very conflicting because even now looking at this list i'm like man i, I could rewatch it because it's very good yeah but it's also polanski nah. and so i i for me i, I think that's I'm, I'm glad i finally got to it because it is a dynamite script yeah and it's a dynamite movie and dynamite performances but it's also it's too hard to, to go back through. Sometimes you got to tear statues down, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I like that very much. All right, let's move on to our Hebrew hammer. I'm so excited. We get to put the hammer down. Buddy. <laughs> Buddy. You want me to put the hammer down? Put the hammer down. Would you put the hammer down, please, I'll put Dalton? the hammer down. God, I hate law-abiding citizens so much. Okay. I hate this stupid movie. I really don't like it at all. Uh, this this is the kind of movie that we, we created the Hebrew hammer for. Uh, this is, look... Uh, this is a show in a lot of ways that uh, is in debt to Pauline Kael, uh, as our is as our you know her famous quote is our namesake, right? Um, some movies don't have to be art to be good. Some movies are not good and are also not art. And I would say Law Abiding Citizen is firmly in that category. I think there's a lot to like about it uh, at times. There's some cool moments, but it is overall an ideological mess. It is. A, not a particularly interesting story. Um, it's just, it's just deeply frustrating. And that that was the episode I think I had the most trouble having anything coherent to say this week, this year, just because I was so frustrated by the movie. And I wanted to like it because I, you know, I like Jamie Fox. Uh, I like Gerard Butler well enough. I, you know, the two of them have fairly good chemistry, but they're just mismatched. Jamie Foxx is a better actor than Gerard Butler, just Mm -hmm. period. And uh, he dominates those scenes in a way that does not make Gerard Butler seem like a believable foil uh, at all. Uh, And just his, Gerard Butler's plan, his motivations are all nebulous and kind of stupid. It's, it's a deeply frustrating film that, uh, you know, we, we had a good conversation about it, but uh, you know, I don't need to belabor the point here, but it just, it's, it exists in a world that has a very unrealistic understanding of the criminal justice system. And uh, for a film that seems to want to be some sort of gritty, realistic type thriller, it's a dumb comic book movie. Uh, as much as anything that's ever been produced by uh, Marvel or Disney is. It's it's a it's a dumb hero fantasy for, for dum-dums. Fair enough, fair enough. I expect Arthur and I are going to agree now as we drop the Hebrew hammer. What, where are you dropping it, sir? I believe in the last week of February, in the year of our Lord 2019, I prophesied that I would be dropping the Hebrew hammer on one hostiles. Correct. You did. And that's where I land today. I am uh, also dropping said hammer. Much like Law Abiding Citizen, it has many ideological problems, but yes. unlike Law Abiding Citizen, it champions them and heralds them in some pretentious, self indulgent way as some sort of prestige cinema mm. without earning anything that it does. And it is total and utter trite uh that should not have seen the light of day whoa yeah I, this movie should have been buried it should have been unreleased it's awful wow. i yeah hate it 
would, would, would definitely torpedo it in the sun and then shoot it on the way to the sun so that it would be in pieces before the sun burned it up. There's and, not enough West Duty performances. I'm sorry. I can't do that. I and, like West Duty, but no, I want no, no. In the year that we got the Nightingale, yeah. which tackles almost everything uh, in a similar manner yeah. in a similar beats uh, and works uh, much better. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard to... Jennifer Kent knows what she's doing is the difference. Any mm. sort of soft spot for hostiles. Yeah, none at all. I am hostile to hostiles. hostiles. Yes. yes, it's same. So the right. Hebrew hammer is dropped. Dalton, we blame you. Yeah, well, I, look, I deserve it. Can't all be winners. Yeah. All right, so let's do something positive. Let's, let's, let's get the happy back out. We, we were so sad and angry just then. So what is the best worst movie? The guilty pleasure is just so much fun, even though it's janky, it's lousy. What do you say, Dalton? Best worst movie this year is? It's Jupiter Ascending. Is uh, it? <laughs> potentially too good to be the best worst movie. But I, I will concede. Well, potentially. I will concede to the very nice and smart gentlemen who do this podcast with me that it is a film that is not without its problems. I think there is a lot of joy and a lot of love and a lot of pathos and creativity in Jupiter Ascending. And I pine for a world in which original stories get $200 million budgets. Uh, and, you know, that's not the world we live in. Jupiter Ascending took a bath at the box office and uh, didn't get any sequels. And uh, the Wachowskis have gone on to do projects on their own now uh, after Sense8. So, you know, that that was it. Gang, you wanted you wanted more Wachowski movies. We're not getting them because you didn't go see Jupiter Ascending. And I will uh, praise... Uh, this film for the rest of my life because I think it's just a good time. Uh, this was very nearly my once more feeling because I didn't really go for Jupiter Ascending in the theater. Uh, I was one of the idiots who didn't like it uh, at the time of its release, and uh, now I'm constantly doing penance, I, I think, by <laughs> by trumpeting this film. I just like it a lot. I think it's a fun time. Uh, they explain crop circles, guys. Bees can, they do. Bees can sense royalty. I've always loved dogs. Terry Gilliam cameos. It, I... I just like this movie a lot. It makes me happy. It makes me feel very good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, it's silly, but there's also a man that's a dragon, and it's the only film that knows what to do with Freddie Redmayne, uh, Eddie Redmayne. Uh, kill him. Yeah, let him Freddy. yell, let him yell and Freddy be petulant Redmayne. and then kill him. Yeah, uh, uh, Freddie Bluebeard, whatever his name is. Uh, I like it a lot. It's close runner-up, K-19 The Widowmaker. Yeah. It's fun. I like those, uh, I like listening to those guys' bad Soviet accents. They're fun. All right, very good, very good. What is your um, best worst movie, Arthur? Well, uh, when we threw down the conceptual gauntlet uh, to the ladies to do Captain Marvel, we said they could pick our movie the following week, and they uh, accepted that challenge with vigor and gave us Super Mario Brothers, uh, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's very fun and a lot better than its reputation has you to believe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a hoot, and I think it does exactly what it needs to do with its concept. I mean, it's... Working off of an IP that doesn't really have any story, and it tries to do this best it can with that, and it gives us alternate dimensions and dinosaurs and Dennis Hopper being weird and wild. Uh, we has, we saw three Dennis Hopper movies this year, and, like back to back too. Yeah, on accident, three vastly different movies and three vastly different styles, and he he's a lot of fun in all of them. And yeah. you got Bob Hoskins and uh, Leguizamo, and who are both drunk for the entire movie yeah. apparently, and it works. Uh, something about this it's movie needed. is. Is, is a blast and it's a good time to be had and uh it's a lot better than people would have you to believe so 
I'm going to go Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I think that's a great pick, Arthur. You can uh, look. You can make the argument it's the best video game movie, and I don't think you would be wrong to do so. No, you wouldn't be, Dustin. What, what about you, bud? Best worst movie for me: the infinitely quotable Tommy Boy. I. It's yeah. not a good movie. No, it's problematic in crazy ways. But your head's got a thin candy shell. Shut up, Richard. I, that <laughs> movie. What'd you do? I could just go all day. Does this tie make me? Does this tie make me look fat? No, your face does. It's just so much stinking fun and i just i have all the nostalgia vibes going for that movie i grew up watching it and yes there are there is much to hate and narratively makes no sense and it is again ideologically very problematic but i just have so much fun and many thanks it. to picker of the film brigham cole yes uh you too listener can be a film picker if you so choose to donate on patreon.com forward slash gtm so yeah, that would that's definitely my best worst movie in the vein of Troll Two. Is it good? No, but is it fun? Yes, for sure, for sure. Moving right on, let's go to the Hall of Violence, dear friends. We are just blowing through nap time. We're we're, yeah. we're we're doing it hard, guys. We're just we're getting it done. So the Hall of Violence award is either a film entirely in toto or a set piece in in a particular film that you just love slash appreciate the violence as it is depicted cinematically. So I'm going to you first, Dalton. What goes in the Hall of Violence for you, my friend? Ooh, this is a tough pick. We watched a lot of violent movies this year. Yeah, we did. Uh, as we do most years. Uh, you know, I, I, I went back and forth on this one quite a bit. I think I am going to go uh, on the side of uh, Joe Dante's Small Soldiers, though. Nice. I really love the the uh, final fight of that film. It. There's flaming tennis balls and yeah. nail gun cars and a giant exploding satellite dish. And it's just a weird, weird set piece. Uh, it, it's got all of the the silliness that is uh, Gremlin. I mean, it's it really does feel like a remake of Gremlins in a lot of ways, just trying to do something a little bit different with a similar idea. But, uh, you know, uh, call it uh, nostalgia for uh, my childhood. I did see this film, in, uh, if not in theaters. I know I owned a clamshell VHS uh, copy of this film. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I, yeah, I was really surprised by how much I, I still like Small Soldiers. Like, the, there's a lot of... Uh, predicting where entertainment would go, yeah. <laughs> shockingly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked a, a little bit about uh, DOD funding in the MCU on our in-game episode last week and uh, talked DOD funding in the toy industry in this film. Uh, yeah, Small Soldiers has got a lot on its mind. And, uh, you know, a, a fun film, if nothing else. Uh, but, yeah, just a really creative set piece. And, again, uh, violence doesn't have to be graphic to, to be meaningful and impactful. And I, I think the stakes in that film are believable like the life or death stakes in that film get sold it feels very dangerous without being overly graphic uh, which i think is good for children's films children should understand that violence is scary and not fun um and i think small soldier sells that pretty damn well all right very good very good arthur what are you putting in the hall of violence this year uh from what we've looked at in 2019 yeah i mean dalton's right we've done a lot of stuff and a lot of possible candidates but i really want to go back to the ballad of buster scruggs and in particular the buster scruggs segment oh, so man, the, the violence is so crazy i love it yeah that yeah. that musical shootout a high uh, in the contender saloon for me is is a hoot uh that stylized violence that the coens are so good at putting together uh, is very effective in that moment. And there's just this cartoon element to that whole... I mean, he floats away into the sky with angel wings. It's so, very much a Warner Brothers cartoon, Looney yeah. Tunes. Um, 
but it works so well. And in the year of Tim Blake Nelson, our Lord and Savior, um, <laughs> very uh, great to see him start out so strong at the end of you know 2018, coming into 2019. Mm. Uh, he had a good and, year. Yeah, he did. And, and so happy to see him doing a lot of cool stuff uh, and to kind of be able to watch that at the beginning of this year and see that. And it's just a who And the Coens are so good at violence anyway yeah. and making it impactful and having that conversation and to kind of layer that with this musical zany number uh in this saloon in the middle of nowhere is, is a blast and so that's that's where i would land in the hall of violence i think it just starts yeah you're, you're right like for so much of that film being a meditation on violence it's fun to have that first one be so wacky and cartoony yeah, yeah. great so, pick arthur i love that pick a lot yeah it was it was definitely a close runner-up for me another close one was man of tai chi just in general good fights good fight me choreography. Too. but really i i have to go with the icon and that's rambo is first yeah, blood nice? Yeah, I mean, good pick. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you just it, the first blood belongs in the Hall of Violence. That's why it was created. It was it was made <laughs> for that award. If yeah. it knew it, I mean, it's like they knew retroactively we existed and wanted to make the movie for that. You got a scene in particular you want to go to, or just uh, the film as a as a whole? I think probably him picking up that M sixty uh, that he has no business holding and uh, that you cannot <laughs> hold, and running through the city. Burning it down while you know shooting tracer mm. around with a machine gun. I would have picked the flashback in the prison station where he uh, oh when he, he, when he has a PTSD trash bat flashback yeah. and just kicks everybody's ass. Yeah, also very cool. I mean, the movie's full of moments like yeah. that and just good, good moments of good violence, just fun eighties you know schlock violence. So, but yeah, I'm going to put Rambo in there because it's Rambo and that's what the Hall of Violence is for. Want to get a little uh, runner-up love to Parasite? I thought one of you might mention it. So oh I didn't. man, that violence is great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any scene, I won't, I won't get too spoilery since that's a fairly new film. But yeah, there's there's some good stuff in that to it's really make pretty you think. cathartic. Yeah, yeah, pretty cathartic. What's uh, what's up next, Dustin? Up next is our favorite marathon. You got to pick the whole marathon as just the best run of analyses or of movies or a combination thereof. So, of the many marathons we've done over the course of the year, what's your favorite one? Go, Dalton. It's hard to pick. I know. We had, we had good marathons we this did. year. We did. I'm going to go with A Man Called Keanu. That's a good uh, marathon, yeah. It, it, look, it was just so much fun. I, I love Keanu Reeves. He's truly uh, uh, an actor that went underrated for many, many years, and it's it's fun to see him appropriately rated finally. Uh, hopefully the worm does not turn and we hit a point of Keanu saturation and we all get tired of him because uh, I've just really enjoyed watching his career over the last couple of years uh, kind of bounce back. Uh, and that, that that marathon was a lot of fun for me. Um, it was also a, a wedding gift uh, in some ways uh, from the show to me. Destination wedding. Yeah, we closed out with destination wedding, which we recorded right before uh, my wedding uh, to to my my very wonderful spouse. And uh, yeah, I just enjoyed the whole marathon though. To to really look at the arc of a career to me is is one of the funnest things about being in the cinema. And uh, not not just you know uh, directors and uh, writers, and but really looking at actors as a uh, you know athletics gets to talk about athletes careers a lot. And I, I think we, we should spend more time talking about the trajectory and arc of actors careers in filmmaking, just because they're very interesting careers go on for a long time. I mean, look, you end up in the movie business. There's not a whole lot else you can do afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, and careers are long and go through a lot of phases. And I think Keanu is a really, really great example of uh, somebody whose career has seen a lot of ebbs and flows and different nuances and, and arcs of creativity. Uh, and especially, I mean, you just look at uh, River's Edge uh, through to Destination Wedding and just, you know, again, he's a he's an actor who gets a lot of flack for being one dimensional. And I think the films that we chose to look at for him, his filmography kind of show uh, his dimensions as as a performer. And, uh, you know, I, I just 
I love the guy. I really do. And uh, I think he, he makes, uh, even when he makes bad choices, they're usually pretty interesting. Yep. Um, so that that's my pick, is The Man Called Keanu. Uh, really had a lot of fun with that one. Good times, good times. What's your favorite marathon pick of the year, Arthur? I've got to go with I Dream of Gina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Gina Davis Marathon. Uh, you know, Gina Davis is a performer who... I'd, I'd seen some work when I was young. You know, I'd seen The Fly before, and mm-hmm. I'd seen uh, League of Their Own pieces. You know, I'd, so I was kind of familiar with her. But you know, in, in 2019, with the resurgence of Keanu, it was interesting to go back and look at a, an actor who had a career just kind of stall out, and yeah. then she just kind of faded out. And she's done some stuff here and there. She's got her uh, literature feminism, yeah, thing. website, yeah, yeah, analysis thing, yeah. yeah Gina she does, Davis, which is cool. Yeah, I can't think of the name of her foundation. Her institute right now. or media, yeah, yeah. media studies institute, or yeah, something which is like really that, cool. Yeah. Um, but man, talk about a actress who was just on another level. Yeah, dude. Uh, we watched four different movies, four different performances, and each one was incredible, uh, and, and including two just fantastic movies in Thelma and Louise and in The Fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to really kind of get to see her through all of that was interesting, and see her evolve through all of that was really fascinating. And even The Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, which I didn't love, she was really good in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her and, and Jackson had a really good dynamic and chemistry together. Uh, and and in, even in that movie where she's giving two different performances uh, alone is is a testament to her skill as an actor. Um, and man, you know, I, I really wish we could get some new Gina Davis content because she's, she's stellar. And uh, I was really glad that we were able to go back and look at her work. Mm. Um, you know, we talked about doing marathons around an actress. And, and there's a lot of names we could, you know, we could have done Angelina Jolie or Halle Berry, like, kind of A-list, top-tier names, and, and to settle on you know someone like Gina Davis, who you don't really hear from anymore, I, I think um, proved to be a really interesting experiment because we got some great work out of it. Well, and to, to speak to the, the her Institute for Media Studies and stuff, right? If she's a contemporary of Keanu, like they come up around the same time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. To see 50-year-old Keanu have a comeback and Gina Davis not, like it shows you the gender disparity age-wise that very much still exists within yeah. the, the Hollywood system. So, for real, for real. Yeah. Um, great pick. I mean, I'm glad we did that marathon yeah. because it was such a great time. And uh, can't help but think of a league of their own. Uh, Gina Davis is just a bombshell. Yeah, absolutely a, a bombshell, for sure. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. Love her. Yeah, in love. I'm more of a Lori Petty myself, it but yeah, I, I'm a short guy. What are you going to do? Uh, well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my favorite marathon uh, was Shocktober 8, The Ocho. Uh, oh, yeah. Because of the subtitle being Dead Spots. The fact that we were picking these movies that one of us hadn't seen. And, and I, I just I really enjoyed the sel- selection process. I think that conceptuality with the marathon was really interesting. The fact that we kept them all back as surprises. Yeah. Um, we brought on Alex Bohannon to get to watch psycho and you know to talk i mean again most of the movies i had seen except for my pick but um that being said it was great it was it was just so much fun to sort of intentionally expose ourselves to a movie that we had not seen and that be sort of the thing and knowing and being aware of just how big these movies were yeah and so it was a way to get at some really big you know again horror films that's sort of beside the point uh, for the reason why I liked it so much. I mean, the fact that it was horror movies, and I do like that genre, probably definitely gives some goodwill for me. But for, for my money, it was just great to, 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 to get an excuse to watch Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, Psycho, Bride of Frankenstein, uh, my own pick, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. That was just great. And so um, I really, really was happy with our Shocktober programming this was, year. I mean, it was just a group of heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's one of the few times where we've 
unintentionally programmed a, a marathon of that nature, and it really worked out. It was a way we could get away with heavy yeah. hitters, I think, in a yeah. way, too. Um, justify it to ourselves, yep. at least. And not that anybody else would care, but yeah, I, I like that a lot, and I liked that marathon. It was just, it was fun to do. Fun, fun to do. All right, moving on. I believe number last. We are at the final category. So. What goes on the platinum shelf as the best picture? It is the uh, Palm Door Award that we give. It is the golden brick of Good Trash 2019. With the course, the caveat, it cannot come from our anti-trash selections. We do try to pick uh, for anti-trash films that are, if not already canonized, films that are probably bound for canonization. Uh, we get, we try to pick within the actual confines of the show. Nothing from January. Yep, correct. Is the rule. So moving through that, what do you say, Dalton? What goes on the platinum shelf for you? Well, this is like something of a cheat because it very easily could have occupied a spot within uh, an anti-trash marathon. But I am going to go with Claire Denis' High Life, mm-hmm. which is nice. great movie. God, there's just not anything like it that I watched this year, man. I watch a lot of movies about space, both from 2019 and not this year. Boy, howdy. Look, it's it my first... nearly my favorite discovery, yeah. Uh, it's my first Claire Denis film, so I'm probably a little bit colored by that, just that exposure to her. Uh, speaking of first uh, exposures, uh, Agnes Varda's Faces Places was a very close second contender, uh, but my bias is towards narrative film. Uh, I, that's just where my bread and butter is, and I there, High Life gave me so much to wrestle with and think about. Um, and it's, it's a film very much concerned with the state of the world, uh, and just the state of human relationships. And I, I, it's a film I think about a lot. Uh, Pattinson's performance obviously is outstanding. Julia Pinoche's performance is, look, top to bottom, the cast is doing stellar, stellar work. Uh, and, uh, it shows you that you don't need, uh, $300 million at Disney movie, uh, Disney money to make a a movie that is uh, not confined by the bounds of, of, you know, human reality. Uh, you can you can make a space movie on a tight budget. You just got to accept what your limitations are and go, yeah, look, we don't need to depict zero gravity for this to be a space movie. Who, who cares? Yeah. Not important. What is important is, you know, questioning why we would even would want to go to space. What would we do if we could go to space? What are we going to do with that resource? Uh, are we just going to get rid of people that are inconvenient to our society? Uh, probably. Uh, what are those people going to do once we say, get out of here? Uh, it's, it's just, there's a lot on that film's mind. Um, also how many movies have a fuck box? Exactly. Not many, not many, not enough, not enough, not enough. Claire Denis, thank you for making that weird, 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 wonderful movie. I like that pick a lot. What is your platinum shelf, um, selection, Arthur Gordon? Parasite. Yeah, good pick. Yeah, good pick. Yeah, it's got to sure. be. Um, it, I mean, I went to the theater three times to see it. I mean, I just Same. don't, you know, of all the movies we watched this year, other than Endgame, this is the one I probably rewatched, you know, multiple times uh, and intentionally went out to see it and seek it out in the theater. Uh, and so good. I mean, there's something very classical about it in this kind of Hitchcockian way that, that uh, Bong navigates the, the story that he's telling. It's so layered. It's so rich. Uh, there's just so much happening and it's got so much to say that's, you know, it's it's not it's 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 made in in Korea and it's got that mindset, but it's also got these very universal themes that are applicable to all us because we all live in capitalism, um, and so that is very affecting about it. Uh, I I love the characters, I love this world that we live in uh, with them, um, and so I, I respect all of that about it. And um, man, I, I you know I can't say enough good things about Parasite. Um, it felt kind of like a cheat. You know, kind of like High Life. I feel like it could very easily be in 
that anti-trash lineup. Well, um, they, they are both two films from this year that might see some yeah. love when we get to our 2019 wrap List. later, yeah, definitely. later next year. Um, For sure. And so uh, I, I've got to go with Parasite. Great pick, man. Yeah, good pick, good pick. Um, So I want to pick definitely a good trash movie. It's definitely a good trash movie that is definitely platinum shelfable. And the only reason why it is a quibble... Quib... 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 The only reason why you could quibble with the selection gotcha. is because it has, in some senses, become canonized oh, okay. just because of the movement of time. And I'm talking about Bride of Frankenstein, James Whale's great film um, that we looked at for Shocktober. Man, put this thing on this platinum shelf for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, it's good trash. It's a kid's movie. It's a stupid horror movie. But it's also got that great German expressionism. It's also got that incredibly stellar performance by Elsa Lancaster. And, uh, man, I just love what she's doing uh, with her little bit of the role. And, of course, uh, man, Boris Karloff is always aces in everything he does. And so, yeah, love that movie so much. It's just a great little story. It's a great little technological history of Hollywood and just a well shot little piece of horror despite the fact that being you know what 80 90 years old at this point yeah. so um yeah for me Bride of Frankenstein is definitely the platinum shelf film of, of our selections this year so like it a lot so there you go dear listener cool. that was 2019 that was 2019 we had a In good a time nutshell. I'm glad we did that we might do it one more time you want to do it one more time one more time let's do it let's do it again yeah well. all right well, look, 2019 was the year of the cowboy. 2020 is the year of cyberpunk, but we already did uh, Blade Runner because, you know, 2019. So I, I don't know. Next year is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, well. Do we want to, Arthur, do you want to tell the nice listener what they've got coming for them in 2020? Oh, I can, uh, because it is January. It is January. It is time for anti-trash. Uh, so we're going to look at those movies that you would probably look at in a film studies course or would have strong uh, leanings to putting on a syllabus. Uh, and so it's 2020, which seems kind of like a fun concept to play with. So all of our movies are going to have some connection with the number 20. And so our first movie is from 1920. Ooh. And we are going back in time to look at a very influential piece of German expressionism when we talk about the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Whoa! Yeah, buddy, yeah. Oh, oh man. I'm so excited. Big blind spot for me. Oh, man, guys. I'm so pumped. I'm thrilled do we can, can, do, are, are you gonna make us wait week to week arthur yeah ah man 1920s cabinet of dr caligari that's gonna be a great selection hey tell them how they can talk to us dalton okay uh look if, <laughs> i guess uh, do it and do it with enthusiasm you can send your long form feedback to the show at good trash at gmail.com we would love to hear from you uh you've put a podcast in your ears before you know the deal rate review subscribe we're on apple podcast we're on stitcher radio uh we're not on spotify we would like to be at some point if you know how to make that happen let us know we're too we got too much going on to figure it out ourselves right now uh but yeah that's where we're available currently uh put it in your ears Review it, rate it, subscribe to it. Doesn't matter if you listen every week. The subscription helps. Uh, you're, uh, we got a new review from earlier this year, by the way. I just uh, found it the other day. I hadn't noticed it. Uh, but thanks for that. Uh, I don't have your name pulled up, but uh, you know who you are. Uh, thanks so much for the rating and review. We appreciate that a lot. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM if you want to help keep the lights on. Uh, we got bonus content there for you if you give us money. We'll also send you a DVD every once in a while. If, uh, if, if you give enough money, we'll also let you pick a film every once in a while. So fun stuff for you, fun stuff for us. We like to, you know, help this keep this alive. Uh, we're on Twitter at good underscore trash. I don't know how much interaction that gets these days because, uh, I'm going strong. What, like two months now I'm off Twitter? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, but we are on there at good underscore trash. Uh, that's it. That's the social media stuff. That's what you need to know if the you want to stay in touch. The is from um, High Exalted with uh, three eyes. 
And the review, I want to read it because I think it's the best review I've ever read. Please do. Arguably the greatest podcast called Good Trash Honorcast. You could argue it is the best one called that. I wouldn't. Yeah. But you could. And I'd appreciate it. I, I think it is definitely the best one called that of the ones called Good Trash Honorcast. <laughs> Every time. Look, we're like the show Cougar Town. Uh, we found a name early. We stuck with it. It's hard to say and it makes people not care. But darn it. <laughs> we're nothing if not consistent. Uh, well, we can't change the name now. I've been doing this for almost a decade. Uh, I like the name. I think it's fun. But every time I say it, I have to repeat myself. Uh, you guys ever have that? Mm-hmm. When it comes up that you have a podcast, people ask you what it's called, and you go, Good Trash Genrecast, and they go, what the, the did you just what, say to me? The what? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a great review. Thanks, that's High very... with several eyes. Exalted. Thanks, High Exalted. You, you rock. All uh, right. Take care, listeners. That's been 2019. Big kisses from us. You keep watching, and we're going to keep talking all the way into 2020, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not sure.